After the Floods with Sine Riley, documenting the Northern River's flood recovery and looking for future solutions for life on the floodplain. Today I'm going to be talking about the general recovery one month in from the flood in Woodburn. It is the 30th of March as I record this and I'm currently standing here in this recording studio in Lennox Head listening to the rain bucket down outside and I know that this episode is going to be about recovery from the flood but it's really looking like we're about to hit the reset button. We're about to go through it all again. There's not not much left at home for us to lose but the thought of gurneying mud out of the inside of my home and scrubbing the studs down again is making my stomach flip. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other people out there who've been through this flood experience with me who are feeling exactly the same right now. So my thoughts are with everyone who's sitting here in the rain wondering what we're going back to. But I'm just going to dive in and talk about our recovery so far anyway. And uh, maybe episode four will be about the setbacks. So where I left off last time on the podcast, we'd just seen what our house looked like when we came back. And if you've been following on social media, you'll have seen the photos. It was quite a mess and we had no idea how we were going to deal with that in that moment. We had a lot of help pouring in from friends, people saying, I'll be there, I'll be there, we'll be there to help. And that was really lovely, but it was also really setting off my anxiety because I was adamant that I wanted to save as many of our clothes, our personal belongings and our um, yeah, household things as we possibly could because we don't have insurance for flood. I knew that we just did not have the money to recover from a disaster of this scale. So anything that we could salvage, I wanted to salvage. The next day, my partner made it very clear to everyone who came to help that anything that was getting chucked out had to come through me first. I had friends on standby who couldn't be there to help because they've got small children who had offered to wash things for us, whether that was crockery, clothes, linen, whatever we needed done, they were prepared to do it. I rocked up with plastic tubs and just started putting all of my clothes into plastic tubs and getting them out the door and into the trailer out the front so that we could get it to our friends who were going to try and salvage our clothes for us. One friend of mine said she'd do her best with my shoes and handbags, so they all got thrown in the trailer too. Then in the kitchen, we started unloading the crockery cupboards, and a lot of things have been chipped or broke, but what we could save, we saved, and all of my pots and pans, my scan pans, all got saved as well. Now, this all must seem like small stuff to people listening who haven't been through this, but when you have to replace every single thing that you own, it all starts to add up really, really quickly. And I knew that. I knew that that would be the case, and I wanted to save as much as we possibly could. I never, ever could have done this without the help of my friends who had offered to clean things for us. Because you're so exhausted and overwhelmed in this stage of flood recovery that the thought of 
scrubbing mud off your pots and pans just it all just seems too hard so I'm really really thankful to our friends and family who stepped up and offered to take on this role for us of cleaning our things because without them I don't think I would have saved what we managed to save and I'm really really grateful to them for giving me the drive to be able to do that I know that a lot of other people weren't in that same boat and really have lost every single thing that they own. That makes me really sad because being able to hold on to some of my clothes, the first time I was able to wear an outfit that I'd bought myself and chosen myself after the flood was a really wonderful moment for me after weeks of hand-me-downs. I just really wish that everyone who was in this scenario got to feel that because it felt really, really good. It, it, it helped me to feel like me again. Starting to reclaim my life in these little acts over the last month, like drinking coffee out of my favourite mug, which miraculously didn't break, or putting on a pair of jeans that fits properly, Those moments have been really, really important to me over the last month and really helped in my recovery. So that first day when we were clearing everything out and I was marching around the house like an army general telling people what went where and what was allowed to be thrown and what wasn't, it has really paid off and really aided in my recovery now with being able to have some things that are ours to hold on to. I'm also really grateful that a lot of the furniture that Jake and I buy is solid wood because we have miraculously been able to save um, our bed frame, coffee table, a couple of other little bits and pieces as well. My granddad's dining table was passed down to me when he died and I spent a lot of my teenage years sitting at that table with him after school and playing solitaire or reading books, having cups of tea together and talking about school and life. And that table means the world to me because it's one of the only things I have left to remember my granddad by. And it is not in good repair. And someone really wanted to throw it out when we were at the house on that first day. But I said, no, it's being saved. And they looked at me like I was insane. But we loaded it into the trailer and got it home and I've washed it and Jake's agreed for us to pay to have it restored because he knows how much it means to me. So little things like that have been really wonderful over the last month, just knowing that we're going to still have some things to put in our house that are ours when we go back. So the extent of the damage at our house is that we had to rip out all of the plaster in our kitchen and dining room. Our house is split level and has kitchen, dining room, living room in the bottom section and then four steps up to the bedroom and the bathroom. So we got chest deep water in the kitchen, dining room, living room area and just over knee deep in the bedrooms and bathroom. So everything on that lower level was really totaled and we've had to rip up even our subfloor on that lower level of the house because it was completely ruined by the flood. So we're back to studs and joists in that lower level. 
in the bedrooms and bathroom. We've ripped the Jiprock out to about chest high and we've ripped up our flooring. And we're trying to decide at the moment whether or not we need to rip up our subfloor, but it's not so straightforward to do. So we're getting advice from builders at this point about whether or not it's salvageable. Those first few days were all about demolition and moving things and throwing things out. And we watched as all of the fragments of our life just got piled up on the curb out the front of our house. And it just felt like every time something got thrown on that pile, another piece of my heart broke. It really felt in that moment like our whole lives were crumbling around us. I lost a lot of business equipment in the flood as well, just about all of my business equipment. That was really, really hard to deal with as well because I felt like the house was gone, the business was gone, and I really wondered what we had left. After the initial cleanup, you know, every day with that cleanup and the cleaning, which lasted well over a week, probably nearly two weeks, I'd come home and be aching from head to toe. It's really hard work scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and the smell is just horrible. You don't eat properly because you're so disgusted by everything around you that you can't even imagine eating while you're there and you feel sick because you're watching your life crumble around you and and emptying out everything in your life. Then you just physically exhausted when you finish every day you know just physically so spent but I'd get home back to Lennox and I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'm exhausted my body's exhausted my mind's exhausted and I'm emotionally exhausted but I'm still so traumatized I don't think I've had a full night's sleep since the flood you know then there's all the admin God, the admin. No one tells you how much admin's involved in losing everything you own. Dealing with Centrelink takes ages. It's hours upon hours on the computer or on the phone. But to answer these really hard questions about everything you've lost, it's really emotionally exhausting. There was one day that I spent six hours sitting at the recovery centre at Lismore waiting to talk to people all I achieved in that day was getting $1,500 from Vinnie's, $300 worth of grocery vouchers from the Salvos, and I talked to the guys from the Small Business Concierge about what I needed to put in my application for a small business grant. I didn't even get that thing done. It was just waiting. You're sitting in a room with hundreds of other people who've all lost everything, waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. I feel like the systems are designed for you to give up. You know, these systems of support and how complex it becomes to access that support just feel like they're designed for you to give up. They don't really want you to access the money. That's the only explanation I have for why they make it so hard. None of the agencies call it, uh, communicate with each other, so you're giving the same information over and over again. Then if you lost your license or your Medicare card, that's another headache to sort out. You've got to divert your mail. You've got to call your energy provider and your telephone provider. 
All of these things take hours. We're one month in and Telstra still haven't sorted me out a new connection in our temporary accommodation. We're one month in and I still don't have a Medicare card again. We're one month in and I've got absolutely no bloody idea where our post is. (laughs) All of these things take so much time to organise and the support just doesn't feel like enough. We would not have gotten through this month without the generosity of our local community. We're feeding ourselves through the hubs and through kind friends making us meals. And it's taken three and a half weeks for me to receive my first disaster recovery allowance payment of $620 a fortnight, which doesn't even cover what our usual groceries would be for a fortnight and you know our usual bills would be so it's really a big process this recovery process and one month in I still feel like we have so so far to go where do we go from here well right now it's looking like we'll be back at day one again tomorrow as I listen to the rain lash down but we'll see I'm hoping that in the next episode I will be interviewing someone else about their recovery story. I'd really like to talk to the people who were involved in rescue coordination and in coordinating supplies. And I'd like to talk about what our town needs going forward to really recover from this disaster, as well as talking to people in surrounding towns of Korokai and Broadwater about what they need to move forward to and what their stories are. In the meantime, you can follow us at After the Flood Pod on Instagram, and I'd love to hear from you. To connect with Sine and follow her journey through the rebuilding of her life and community, head to Instagram and search for After the Flood Pod.